Hello, 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 and welcome to week 18 of the 52 Week Film Project. This week it is a very special week because we are not reviewing a film at all, we're reviewing a TV show, and we will do that after a new segment. I'm My name is Will, and I'm here with my co-host Jake. How are you doing, Jake? Oh, mate, what a perfect intro. Thank you, darling. Um, yeah, I'm good, mate, I'm good. Um, hopefully, before your dulcet tones came over, uh, everyone's sound waves and through the headphones we probably had some more of our groovy intro music Woo! Um, we we snuck that one on people didn't we last week yeah um, literally kind of because we figured out how to do it like six hours before releasing the episode <laughs> you know <laughs> who doesn't love a surprise i got a very excited um, like three or four calls from jake and my all, all my family were asleep so i couldn't message and i just and then i listened to the episode and i was like oh my god it was just absolutely incredible and then I was like, and then I was like, skip right to the end, skip right to the end. And you were like, what? But like, why the end? I was like, you'll see, you'll see. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. So back with another week, week eighteen. Um, this week, as Will said, we're going to be reviewing Maniac season one, or maybe the only season of Maniac. That's something we'll discuss. Indeed. Um, before that, though, the news. Will, what's your uh, first juicy bit of news for the week? Juicy. Um, so my first piece of news is very exciting. Uh, Black Mirror um, season five is reportedly arriving December. Um, so oh it, no way! Who like is that an official announcement or is it, it was, a rumor? It was from Empire. Um, um, it's oh we a, do love Empire. Yeah. So if it was from Empire, I assume I assume it's correct. Um, so it says that um, it's it's arriving December, but they've also got news. I don't know if you've heard about this that um, it claims that one of the episodes will use interactive possibilities. So the, the viewer... Oh, no way. I know. So the viewer throughout the episode will have the choice of how the um, character's plot should end at various points through the episode. Oh, no. So I mean, I mean, no, no one will really know this, but if any of our housemates are listening to this episode, they'll know that me and Will love nothing more than a multiple choice video game. <laughs> uh, the ones where you can just say different things. Like we played all the Telltale games, like the Walking Dead ones. That was interesting, actually. I wasn't going to bring that up this week, but the um, the Telltale Games Company that create those kind of multiple choice games where you can say all the different things that affects the story. Um, they filed for bankruptcy. They've, they've closed down um, and they've closed down with only two of the four episodes of the final walking dead game released. Oh God. Um, so it's all in limbo at the moment. And the developers kind of came out and responded to everyone who was really gutted and really worried about the future of the final season. And it's the same characters all the way through these seasons. They're really like critically acclaimed. And they kind of stupidly, they, um, well, not as stupid as Elon Musk's tweets, but they <laughs> stupidly tweeted that they were going to um, do everything they can to create those final two episodes. And then law companies it was like a workers union group tweeted them back saying what well, no you should be focusing on paying your 2000 employees first you know like paying them their severance so um oh, who knows what's going to happen with that who but knows? love a good multiple choice love black mirror i know very surprised it's coming out that soon well it like, came, season four came out in december as well i would I actually like, yeah so so i think they're trying to do um, since since season three came out on Netflix, I think they're trying to do yearly releases. Um, so there's going to be six new episodes. Um, there's going. Do to we be know one... what they are yet? No, we have no information about the episodes. We know. Do a we couple know the directors? Things... No, no information about directors. No information about casts. I tried to look it up. Essentially, when the proper trailer gets released and the episode names get released, that is when the every, everyone gets spilled about it. So far, it's under wraps. We know that one episode is going to set in set take place in around about 1980 set in Croydon just because there's been like tweets um and photos from the set um and interestingly Ridley Scott of Blade Runner fame um last year talks about wanting to direct an episode so who knows if he's directing an episode um of this new season the director of Gladiator directing a Black Mirror episode would be amazing television yeah it would be pretty cool man i i would love to see someone like Maybe Ryan Coogler, who did Black Panther, or maybe um, oh fuck, could you imagine if Barry Jenkins? Um, oh, Barry Jenkins would be great. You know, Barry yeah, Jenkins yeah. from Moonlight and uh, well, upcoming if if Beale Street could talk, um, which I think is probably going to be one of the best films of the next year. Um, mm. No, that's wicked, um, and I'm sure we'll have some more updates for people as and when they come out. 
That's really exciting. Um, my first bit of news is just a new trailer that came out this past week. Uh, we finally got a trailer for Creed 2, which is the sequel to Creed, um, starring Michael B. Jordan, who, for those who don't know, this is a spin-off of the Rocky series with Sylvester Stallone. He's in these films kind of coaching Adonis Creed, who is the son of the infamous Apollo Creed, who in the original Rocky films died in the ring. He was killed by Ivan Drago, um, a fellow, like a Russian boxer. And Creed, the first one, was just fucking brilliant. It was a really, really good film. Actually, that is a, a Ryan Coogler film, funnily enough. Um, and the sequel's out, and the sequel revolves around Adonis training up to fight Ivan Drago's son, Victor Drago, who is this gigantic Russian guy, just like his father. Um, and so in the trailer, it's just... The trailer is basically just like a three-minute workout for Michael B. Jordan. Um, he's fucking stacked. Like he—he's big in the first film. He's bigger in this film. Um, <laughs> it looks—it looks emotional. It looks exciting. There's—I remember like a mate of mine at uni really, really pushed me repeatedly to watch the first Creed film, and I was kind of like, you know, like I've, I've watched boxing films. I've watched Warrior. I'm not like I've watched Jawbone. I'm not that fast. I don't really care. Um, didn't think it was going to be very good, and it—it it was just fantastic. The story's brilliant. It's really emotional. It's really deep. Um, it's got much more to it than I expected and I don't think the second one looks any different so uh, that comes out November 21st Ah, very exciting um, very very Should exciting indeed um, I, following on from that I also have some more Sylvester Stallone news as my second piece of news um, Ooh. I know look at the bit of, bit of combination there um, so the first pictures from the upcoming Rambo 5 film have been released um, so the so Rambo 5 is I think long awaited um, Sylvester Stallone is dressed as a cowboy I don't know how you take this considering compared to the rugged look of the earlier Rambo well, films I mean have you, have you watched the Rambo films yes yeah so in my mind Rambo 5 is long awaited but not really needed Oh um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm sure I'm not, after five films, not, it doesn't need a decent. Not particularly fast. Um, no, haven't seen these photos. Um, but you, what? Well, it looks different to the previous iterations. Well, the it? previous iterations, from what I know, I think I watched the first Rambo film and I watched the amazing Son of Rambo film, um, which which doesn't really is not really related. That's got nothing related to it. Yes, really, but it except... does though. It's it's about yeah. life and it's about the, these kids wanting to create cinema like Rambo films and action films. It's beautiful. Oh uh, right, okay. beautiful right. film film. Um, anyway, um, it's film film is directed by Adam Grunberg, um, who I don't think he's directed one film called Never Go Back. Um, but he's mainly the first. Oh, well, that second. what you mean? The second Jack Reacher film. Indeed. Um, oh God, we're in so yeah, fucking hands, boys. I know, but he's the first and second God. unit director for Apocalypto, Sense Eight, and Man on Fire. So, mm. um, and it's also going to be written by Stallone. Now, I, no, 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 you laugh here because I just saw Jake's face chuckle. I then looked at S Sylvester Stallone's writing credits and it's 30 All writing right. credits. Rocky 1, Rocky 2, Rocky 3, Rocky 4, Rambo 1, 2 and 3, the, all the Expendables films and Creed 1. Yeah, all right, all right. I know. I didn't think that Sylvester Stallone was that intelligent to write that, that all of his film repertoire, but apparently so. Apparently, not maybe him. I think he's part of a team of writers, but still, oh, yeah, great. definitely, mate. These, oh, these yeah. aren't all his own scripts. Oh, of course, um, but but I, it's and, very and interesting. I, I, I feel like I feel like Creed is very much Ryan Coogler's film. Mm. Uh, or very much Michael B. Jordan's film. Um, he really makes it. But um, no, that's interesting. Interesting, cool stuff. Cowboy cool stuff. Sylvester Stallone. Yeah, he's going for a Back to the Future free by the sounds of it. Um, <laughs> now, my next bit of news is quite cool. Um, have you heard that there is a Harry Potter video game in the works? From since yesterday, yes, I, I saw the tra trailer footage yesterday. But right, please so, talk more so, about it. So trailer footage much. is trailer footage is kind of wrong. So for anyone that doesn't know about this, essentially footage. there was a Reddit user called <laughs> oh god called Vape This Bro. Um, oh. who somehow got a hold of leaked footage about 45 seconds long and it looks kind of like a trailer, like a video gameplay montage um, of a Harry Potter game that no one knew was coming um, and it it looks pretty cool, it looks very RPG based it's a third person kind of 
adventure game. It kind of just looks like a more jazzed up version of like the old PS1, PS2 Harry Potter games. Um, it could be online. It looks like there's a lot of character development and stuff. So maybe they'll kind of, when this is inevitably kind of information comes out pretty soon because they've kind of forced their hand with this leak, um, it might end up being an online game. Um, and no one was really sure what to think of it. No one was really sure whether maybe it could be fake or maybe it could have been kind of user created or something. Um, but rest assured, Warner Brothers do have a stake in it because all of the videos of the leaked footage on YouTube were then blocked. And on the kind of the bit of text that came up on the screen when you clicked on the video but can't watch it anymore, it says this video is blocked because it infringes on the rights of Warner Brothers Entertainment or something like that. So like I don't know if anyone was really thinking it through where they were like, quick, quick, block it, block it. Um, but if anything, that just kind of added weight to the rumours. Yeah. Um, no one knows who the game developer is currently. Some people think it's Rocksteady. Um, but Rocksteady? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm is that a I'm relation sure we'll to Rockstar out. Games? No, 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 different, different, okay. different. But um, we don't know that for sure. So we'll probably find out soon enough. Yeah, it's it looks like it's set um, like in the nineteenth century, roundabouts. It's got got quite an old aesthetic, which met which begs the question: Is this a game about Dumbledore's origins? Considering it's related to Warner Brothers, is this a game where you are maybe not playing as Dumbledore, but playing as one one of Dumbledore's contemporaries um, at the time when he's at Hogwarts? That's the that's that's my own opinion. I'm not sure, um, but considering the Fantastic Beasts film is about to now come out, um, and it's related to Warner Brothers, that would be quite a good tie-in. Considering Jude Law is playing Dumbledore. Yeah, very true, very mm. true. Um, but yeah, no, we'll find out soon. What's your uh, what's your next bit of news? Um, so following up from last piece bits of uh, last week's news, um, the Vice trailer has just been released. Um, this is the film about uh, Dick Cheney's rise to power as um, the vice president. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you mentioned this last week, didn't you? Yep, yeah, mentioned it last week, um, and did not think, did not know that the trailer was coming out only a week after I talked about it. Um, watch the trailer. It's there's an obligatory shot of Christian Bale with his stomach out, which I liked. Um, but generally, the prosthetics are and the are just incredible. I've never seen Christian Bale look less like Christian Bale. He looks exactly like Dick Cheney. It's scary. Um, is it? Is it kind of like when Wass's face did Winston Churchill, uh, yeah, Gary Oldman? It's it's very similar. It it, it it transforms him. I'd say even more than Gary Oldman. Um, as yeah, Winston I'm just Ch- trying to Winston find. Churchill. I'm just trying to find it now. Where you're where you're talking about? Yeah. Holy so, um, shit, man! Oh I my know. god! That's not Christian Bale. That's te- that's almost horrifying. It is almost horrifying. And then Steve Carell is also also in prosthetics. So is Sam Rockefeller. I don't think he's in prosthetics, but they have styled him to look exactly like George W. Bush, which is scary. scary. Um, and Sam if- Rockefeller. Do you mean Sam Rockwell? I mean Sam Rockwell. Yes. I don't know why I said Rockefeller. <laughs> Rockefeller. Sam Rockefeller. Oh, great. That sounds like a porn star name of some description. And anyway, doesn't matter. Um, no, it's got a the film's got a kind of Wolf of Wall Street slash thriller vibe. Um, it's quite vibrant, which I think it's in the style of um, The Big Short, which Adam McKay did, did recently. So um, it's not too I'm, it's not too serious then. Not too serious. It looks like a it looks like a a film that's all about um, kind of excess and craziness, and look how these decisions were being made. Isn't that crazy? Um, kind of like right, the Wolf of yeah, Wall Street yeah. is it's like glorifies in the excess of everything I okay. kind of felt that by the trailer it, it was more, more actually and pul- punchy than um, sombre and reflective yeah so I, um, I, I, I like the look of it I think it could be quite good yeah, yeah very and, cool very yeah. cool and this is probably the last time I will mention this piece of news on the podcast <laughs> <laughs> but Rest assured, this is the only week off we are probably getting from telling you more about the Joker film. I was going to say! <laughs> um, but in other superhero news, <laughs> Jake can't get enough of it. Um, we also last week had a trailer for Dark Phoenix, X-Men Dark Phoenix. Now it did also leak, um, but these guys kind of just got on and released the trailer the next day. Um, they've made it very clear that the date has been pushed back to June next year. Um, instead of a February release. Um, they've also dropped X-Men from the title. 
And the reason they've done that is because the director, his name is Simon Kinberg. He very much sees this as a character-driven film, which is, as we know, the way a lot of superhero films seem to be thriving at the moment. Um, And he takes an awful lot of inspiration from James Mangold's Logan for this movie, um, which is really, really cool. Um, Hopefully it will, you know, it will be on par with Logan. Um, I don't. Have you seen the trailer, Will? I have seen the trailer. And so, so I, I, I watched it. I watched it, and I, I was genuinely surprised. Like, I don't really like the actress that plays Sansa Stark, who's going to be playing Jean Grey, the Phoenix, in this film. I don't think she's that great. Um, but just the whole kind of, they've. It, it's very easy to look at the original three X Men films with Hugh Jackman and Patrick Stewart and Halle Berry and all of them, and think like those were the iconic films that everyone remembers. But it took me watching this trailer with the newer universe people. So like James McAvoy, Michael Fassbender, Jennifer Lawrence, um, uh, whoever played uh, Nicholas Holt. Um, It it took me watching this trailer to realise how invested I actually was in all of their depictions of those characters. Mm. Um, Because it all comes together in quite an interesting way. And this this is the fourth prequel film now. This is the fourth film with this series of characters. So they're now doing, they've now done more than they did with the original characters. Um, And it just, uh, you know, I was pleasantly surprised. Like I, I got excited watching it and i think that it will be really good um and i just think the whole like james mcavoy michael fassbender duo is like i know i know you can't top patrick stewart and ian mckellen um but they give them a good fucking run for their money yeah i think i think they're great i think days of future past is still one of my favorite x-men films i know that combines both old and new but it just i just really like fassbender in that film is scary um James McAvoy, I think, in first class especially, does a really good job of playing a young Xavier. Um, the only problem is with me trying to recount this, I haven't seen Apocalypse, and I've heard it's awful. Neither have I. Neither have I. Maybe we should try and watch that at some point soon. Yeah, I um, think so. Especially no, if this film's watched, coming out. I haven't out, watched yeah. Apocalypse. Mm, okay. Have you got a final bit of news? Uh, no, mate. That's me done. That's that's <gasps> that's the news done. That For is me that's anyway. The news. That's the news over. It's over. Oh, it's my, over. That's my news as well. Gone as fast as it came. Right. Now, let's get into our first ever TV series review, mate. Now, we've never done one of these before. And let's be honest here. We haven't done an awful lot of planning for it. Mm. But I think that's a good thing. Because Maniac is a show that really... um, It's very obscure. It's very kind of light in places and dark in others. A lot of it doesn't really make a lot of sense at first glance, um, which is hopefully a positive way to look at our review. <laughs> or just yeah, look exactly. at our review of it. Um, but okay, Maniac, um, directed by Kari Joji Fukunaga, who we have mentioned for the last couple of weeks because he is of Beasts of No Nation fame. He did season one of True Detective. He um, is now doing the new Bond film. Um, he's made it very clear that we talked about last week. He's very much a hit it and quit it kind of director. He wants to go in, do his thing, make his mark and then leave. Um, he's made that very clear with Maniac. Um, this is this is kind of, depending on who you talk to, this is either a season one or a limited series. Um, now... I don't know if they're planning to do a second season for this. Do you, Will? I think that th- th- there's a post-credit sequence at the end of the film that su- that could suggest that. Yeah, they... we did. We did a TV series. Well, just we did oh, a TV series. Do you know? Do you know when you, you know you do a film podcast for seventeen weeks and you forget you're doing a TV <laughs> show? <laughs> that... That's what happens. Sorry, folks. Um, so yeah, there's a post-credit sequence at the end of this TV show mini series, um, and limited series, limited series. season and one. I, <laughs> I think that suggests that although there's things that you can more explore more in the world, I don't think it's as simple as doing a 
direct secret season two of Maniac. I think what they could do is because they've done a lot of world building is do yeah. another series in the same kind of world. If you get what I mean. Yeah, I co- I completely agree. I wrote that down earlier because essentially I I watched I finished the whole season a few days ago. I watched it kind of over the course of four days. It's ten episodes long, and they're all about thirty to forty minutes. Um, but then today on the train to and from work, I rewatched the last three episodes um, because I found I like I loved the last three episodes. I thought they were absolutely phenomenal, and we'll get into that in a bit more detail in a bit. But I was also very kind of. I know there's like a bit of a weird bit right right at the end, like a post credit scene because you know they're all the rage nowadays. Um, but I. I really did like the way it ended mm. and I think there's there, there are many ways you can watch this show you can watch it on a superficial level where you can kind of just be swept along by the beautiful genre blending that goes on it's all very interesting and very weird and it every kind of episode does its own unique take and Emma Stone and Jonah Hill kind of on this kind of drug trial which is the focus of the TV series they they make their way through a few different kind of they, they go through like a weird kind of creepy seance episode. They go through a, a strange episode where they're a husband and wife trying to rescue a captive lemur. They go through a weird fucking episode where he is the son of a mob boss um, and she is an elf. Um, they do all these weird things and you can just watch it in a very passive way and it, it's almost very soothing um very relaxing tv show to watch and it ends on a very relaxing note Mm. but if you pull it apart a bit more you could probably conversely think that it ends in an incredibly dark way um yeah i would agree with that i think i really enjoyed how the season um developed i found the first episode i find is quite is a struggle um, yeah. I find it's a lot of new things that you need to set up. Um, it's a lot of new concepts. The world building is not complete. I think the ep- both the first episode and the second episode act in sort of parallel to create the world that you are then in. And then episode yeah. three gets into what's what the show is about what the subject matter of the show is about which is to do with these the tr- this drug trial for the ABC pill, which is supposed to um, by the end by the end of this, um, taking this course, you are supposed to cut out um, any um, pop psychology or just or just general therapy. Um, you, you're supposed you're to be, supposed able to be, to be cured. healed. It's meant healed to be like a cured, miracle yeah. drug. Yeah. Um, yeah. And people that the people that are drawn to this trial, um, Annie and Owen, Emma Stone and Jonah Hill in particular, are um, well. Jonah is uh, diagnosed schizophrenic and. Uh, Emma Stone's character is heavily depressed, mm. um, and the, yeah, the first episode is it, it's this kind of I don't know how you interpreted it, but it's this kind of it feels like the nineteen eighties in the states, mm. but it also kind of has all of this technology that the nineteen eighties just didn't have. But it's not um, it's not advanced technology in the way we're kind of experiencing now and the way we're probably going to experience in our reality for the next twenty or thirty years. It's like very vibrant, interesting, strange um, technological advancements that almost focus on the aesthetics and not on the practicality. Yeah, definitely. So, like, there's loads of neon signs and loads of talking signs and, like, little robots on the ground that, like... Well, they're basically Roombas. We have them in our in our reality. But, like, but like big ones that go around on the street. And then they have, like... And it, it, there's, there's, this is the thing about this show is it might annoy some people because, especially in the first episode, there is zero context mm. to anything. Yep, you have like, no idea what's going on. <laughs> no idea. And it's, like, it's almost like you're kind of looking down through a tunnel it's almost like you've got tunnel vision for the first couple of episodes and then it kind of all starts to make sense slowly but surely it never fully does um but like there's a bit in there's a bit in episode two where um annie goes to speak to her drug dealer and her drug dealer is playing drafts in the park with a robotic pink koala bear which is never explained or referenced again. And that, that is that is sentient because it's responding and like it's responding to 
his the conversation and, and beating him at drafts effective. and heckling yeah so it's like it, it, it very strange really really strange mm-hmm. um and emma stone and jonah hill do a tremendous job throughout the show of um kind of they, they've got this kind of sardonic wit uh, especially Jonah Hill, he does a really good job of playing this like very deeply affected, low, lonely person, but who has kind of this this bright spark in his eyes that is kind of like, it, like it it really wants to come out kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. And and she kind of plays a real narcissist who, you know, she's got a a very difficult relationship with her mother and. Her, her sister passed away in front of her eyes kind of as a result of her actions and all this kind of stuff and so they're very messed up people um yeah and they do they do a really good job of conveying that especially in the early episodes i think i think generally the casting for this is very good i was surprised yeah. to be as in, to be impressed by bill billy magnuson uh, who plays um uh, Owen's brother Jed um, he was great in it I felt he really added I felt like he added a real sinister edge to their relationship I thought the fact that he just looks like a pretty boy was also a bit terrifying he just he just yeah he had a bit this of an American psycho smile yeah very that um, I thought that Justin threw as J- Dr. James K. Mantleray I loved him I loved there's a uh, in, see, do see, you not I like him this, right I find this so interesting man because I I've never watched the TV show Leftovers, which he's the star in and is apparently mm. really good. Um, I know that he was married to Jennifer Aniston, but they split a few months ago. Um, I know that he's the cousin of Louis Faroux. That's something I found out today. You're joking. Um, I kind of inherently, but without any real reason, find him quite unlikable. Um, and that wasn't helped by a few months ago. I watched that film Mute on Netflix, which is another example of a weird dystopian sci-fi esque like universe, um, but a bit more Blade Runner and a bit less. Um, I don't know what you would say maniacs like, um, <laughs> but he plays this like gay paedophile doctor. He's not a paedophile because he's gay. I saw your eyebrows raise. My eyebrows did raise. <laughs> he happens to be both yeah you, you mm-hmm. finish your sherry well um Great but time. it's just this it's this incredibly awkward weird role that's not dissimilar from what he's doing in maniac and so when he kind of first came into it i kind of thought oh god is he just gonna kind of do the same thing and be like so weird that it's just cringy and he kind of was but i liked it yeah i found it so odd that it was right there is a hair it, it's, flick it's he does an episode. Really, yeah, it's really weird. Isn't it's it? really odd. There's a hair flick he does in episode ten. Um, that just I think in the that, elevator. That was, yeah, yeah, in yeah. the elevator. That was it. I, I at that point I was won over because before that I was confused by him. Um, I was confused by whether I should be laughing or looking or just not thinking he's a good actor. But like at the end of episode ten, when there's that hair flick, I think he was great. Um, but back to um the show in general. Um. In terms of pros and cons, I think that the show has got an amazing um, set and aesthetic. Um, you were talking about the sort of 1980s aesthetic earlier. I've, I found an article that says it's called Cassette Futurism, which is essentially the future. Oh, cool. Yeah, so it's essentially the present day of this series is a play on the future as seen in the 1980s. And that suggests um, that's suggestive of the Japanese technology and Japanese um, emphasis on there as well, because in the 1980s there was a real tension that the US would overtake no Japan would overtake the US as a global superpower in the 1980s um, and so that's the idea of the future being quite Japanese um, so the the set is fantastic the aesthetic is wonderful I especially like the cinematography there's a couple of scenes where it's just single track um, single take sh- shooting like in Birdman and I think that is just beautiful um, the elven landscapes um, which they do are just really really beautiful the, the red trees um and I re- also, I, I think we can talk about the. I loved the amount of Easter eggs in this. Like from oh, when tons. You, yeah, you see in episode one the the guy who's Jonah Hill's ad buddy. Ad buddies are people who, if you can't pay for things, people pay. You can pay for things, and then people will come to you and tell you about ads, and that's your way of paying. Um, is yeah, that you have like, to get you won't, ads. You won't scroll past them on your phone, 
or like on Facebook um, or maybe on YouTube. Exactly. Wait 15 seconds. It will literally be a human being will come and sit next to you in a coffee shop and put a tablet in front of you and just read you it. Um, And there's a bit in one of the early episodes where Annie kind of, she wants to go down to Salt Lake City to visit her mum and she doesn't have enough money for a bus ticket and she asks her ad buddy if it would be possible for her to just pay for the bus return bus ticket with ad buddy kind of payment and um the, this weird ad buddy woman is like um oh like we've never done anything like that before like you'd have to watch thousands of ads but i'm sure we could do it it, it might even be fun and she, really it's, so, it's so weird it's so weird man <laughs> um, like i was just sitting there so many times in this show i was like cringing but not because it was bad but because it was just like you knew it was meant to be doing that to you yeah not exactly. like fucking watching um Oh, what's been so cringy recently that we haven't been able to bear it? Ocean's the Meg. Meg. The Meg. The Meg. The just Meg. so bad. It's like not bad, not funny bad, just bad. Mm. Um, but, but yeah, going back to Easter eggs, I think that um, like these characters, the one Jake just mentioned, the ad buddy from the first episode, they all return in these dream sequences. They all get dispersed um, as different characters as part of their minds. Um, I thought that's a, that was a really nice touch. There is also Easter eggs like the numbers um, of their their patient numbers. Jonah Hill is number one. Um, Emma Stone is number nine. I'm referring to the obviously the actors, not the, the characters. Um, but and those numbers rep- appear almost in every episode. Um, like in in three, when someone goes to, goes to a, a when Emma Stone's character goes to her work, she's a nurse. Um, her waiting room number is a nine, and she's patient number nine. All these kind of things pop up. My favourite one is um, one of Doctor Mantley's porn titles. Um, there's a it's a there's a there's a title called Beasts of Urination. Obviously, <laughs> um, a, a sort of hint towards Beast of No Nation, um, which which um, the, he also directed. But I think you could just watch this series and just look at the Easter eggs, and you'd be satisf- satisfied. Uh, I don't know, but I don't know if you yeah. agree. I mean, mate, I, I don't know if you've watched the Alien films. Speaking of Ridley Scott, the one that got me, mate, was the fact that the table in the patient's comment room is a replica of the dinner table from the film Alien. Ooh. Um, and like the patches on their uniforms when they're in the drug trial are like they're so similar to like the Nostromo patches that the characters wear in the Alien films. It's just yeah, like great, great little things like that, man. Um, it is. It's really, really clever. It mm. is really, really clever. Um, and they they've put a, they put an awful lot of time into it, into the little things, which I think is why I enjoyed going back and watching the last few episodes today, because I was picking up on things that I hadn't previously picked up on. Yeah. Because I was so focused on understanding it. Um it is definitely like it's a re- it's a repeat viewing show for sure. Um I was just thinking as well, like I mean, have you got any favourite episodes or favourite bits? I have I have favourite bits and I have my fa- my favourite episode I think is probably episode episode four which is first by the lima the lima situation the lima one yeah i really like episode four as a whole episode i think it introduces you to the um ideas of it's it introduces the ideas of what pill b does i think it doesn't really well and i just think it's a nice episode i think as an it, it could work as like a mini film whereas i don't think five could which is exactly like you i don't think it could work as a mini film whereas four i think works as a sort of mini film yeah, mate, um, episode four could just be interpreted on its own as a short... I think episode four is one of the only ones where there isn't really much callback to the real world in Nebadine Biotech with Dr. Mantle Ray, yes. Justin Thoreau, and his uh, kind of co-research uh, uh, partner, Azumi, um, who's played by Sonia Mizuno of Ex Machina fame, and she's fantastic. She's probably one of the show stealers for me oh, she's in great terms, in terms great. of the side characters um but yeah no it, episode four could literally be perceived as a short story about a husband uh trying to like listen to his listen to and support his wife more because joe hill carries around that little book doesn't he or is it an audio tape i can't remember where it's like it's the book this is yeah. what you need to do it's like a self-help how to be a better husband book but then like it's so convenient that he's reading that 
when his wife just takes him on literally like a wild goose chase, like a wild lemur chase yeah. for the whole episode. Well, and wild they get in, they, chase. <laughs> but it's true, isn't it? It's so they true. Get into, like, they get into the most ridiculous situations that no husband in their right mind would ever let their wife <laughs> let them get into, but he just goes along with it um, because he's sweet. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I really like that one. I thought, um, God, like, there are just yeah you're right there are bits that are just fantastic there i love bits. some of the interpretations like the i love the whole uh kind of noir martin scorsese type theme when owen is in his mind in during the sea pill during the last part of the trial and he's kind of like this young son of a mob boss and he's kind of secretly ratting him out because he wants to get out of the family business but he's like really like shy and he's got these like metal grills and he looks a bit like post malone and it's like it's really funny yeah and, it's, and i again, really like it's, it's really funny but it shouldn't it shouldn't be it's yeah. funny because he's so good at playing it and what i like about the episode as well is that throughout this series i don't think it's that gory but in that episode when oh god with the whole yeah. thing it's, and, and it really, exactly the drill um the when shoot- jed gets shot with a shotgun and his whole body or Grimson, exposed. whatever you want to call him, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, like it's just, it's such a d- departure from the rest of the series and it really does hark back to what you were saying about that Martin Scorsese style because it just shows gore in that sort of, that true bloody way. Um, what else do I like in a series? Um, I can say one... Go on, go on. I was just going to say one thing I, one episode that I didn't fully appreciate um, was episode nine. I liked, um, I liked... Well, my favourite moment of the show, which I'll not spoil because that's our, that's my best moment um, at the end of the episode, uh, is in episode nine. However, I just felt the conclusion of the overall plot line, away from episode 10, because episode 10 is actually a really good conclusion, but it doesn't conclude like the main points of the story. It concludes... It, can, it doesn't conclude the drug trial. It concludes the whole story, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but episode nine concludes the drug trial part of the story. And I just felt it was a bit rushed. I mean, there's a cu- 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 there's a scene where it culminates, where Jonah Jonah Hill is solving the whole, solving how to shut down a the machine, which is called GRTA, um, which Greta, is Greta, Greta, Greta. Um, and he just solves it by using a, a, a made-up Rubik's Cube, and it says... No, Will, one it's a fucking the... metaphor. But is it a metaphor, <laughs> it's, though, it's Jake? him waking up out of his coma. Yes, because he's fused with the fucking machine, isn't he? And Emma Stone nearly got taken away by Greta and all this stuff. Yeah, but I they... actually... All right, so, all right, so I think that the whole drug trial and the whole Dr. Mantle Ray, Azumi, um, his mother... Uh, Greta the the machine that's sentient and is sad because Dr. Muramato dies and he was in love with her kind of thing that whole story arc which kind of is the backbone for what I think is the more important story is just that it's, yeah. it's, a, it's one long side story and some of the criticism that's been levelled at this series is that that is all a little bit too awkward or wasn't really very funny or was just a bit forced um I thought early on I was going to find all of that stuff frustrating. I ended up getting kind of swept up in it and finding it kind of like a very weird uh, kind of pseudo-comedy Black Mirror-esque thing. Yeah, it is um, kind of I, satire, yeah. And I, and, and I really liked the culmination in episode nine. I thought that it all kind of built up to this really funny crescendo. Um, and I also, I, I actually, I'd probably say that episode nine is my favourite episode. Fair. Um, because it opens just like I think. Oh, I love the opening. Minutes, yeah, the first ten minutes of episode nine is probably some of the funniest television I have ever watched. Mm. Like it is absolutely hilarious. And for people that obviously have watched it, but they're trying to remember what it was. It's the it's the episode where um, Jonah Hill is playing a Australian Finnish Swede called Snorri. Um, who who, who has to who has to testify in front of a NATO committee about an alien that he became friends with called Ernie, um, and every time he speaks, like I don't know how Jonah Hill does this accent. It's just ridiculous. It sounds like Jar Jar Binks, and there's a bit where he like the aliens called Ernie, and he says like, 
someone tries to say that Ernie was bad. He's like, no, my little Ernie. Like, I, he couldn't be bad. And it sounds just like Jar Jar Binks going, Orphan Annie, Orphan Annie. Um, <laughs> which I, I just thought was so funny. Yeah. But it, it is just like, there's a bit, I, I I had to write this down. Like, when I rewatched it on the way home earlier, I, I had to write this down to say it again. But there's a bit where he's talking about Ernie and, like, describing him to, like, all of the world leaders. And he says, he says, <clears throat> Ernie was humanoid in appearance, but had a beautiful bluish exoskeleton <laughs> with fine orange decorative elements. He was stunning, and it's just like, it's just so funny. Like I was, I, I just think it was brilliant. Like it's one of the funniest things I've ever watched. My favorite bit um, from that, my favorite bit from that is, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Denmark, I'm sorry, France, I'm sorry. <laughs> Who are you, Which one are you? Luxembourg? <laughs> Great scene. No, I, I. There's the bit where Emma Stone's like doing her like John Wick moment, like the badass fight sequence in the corridor. She's like, "You're so good with gun." <laughs> yeah, it is. What I will say about episode nine is that it for me is the most disappointing, not because it's bad, but because I think I because I think it could be so much better. Because I want the first ten minutes to go on for thirty minutes longer. Because I find it so good. I fi- did you not think that the um kind of like because in many ways. Um, Owen's story doesn't tie up until the final episode when yes, he's out of the drug yes. trial. But in, uh, by and large, Annie's story does. Mm. Um, and Annie's story kind of, it kind of largely fit. I mean, you could say it's kind of her reigniting with her, like, re, like kind of getting back in touch with her father. But it, it generally the chapter closes on her trauma when she says goodbye to um, Ellie or whatever she's called, the sister yep. inside the confrontation pill in that forest. Um, and then Greta, the machine, takes her away. Um, however, like, mate, that I I was so swept up by that bit in the final episode where she Emma Stone goes back to her father's home and early on in the season you you see that the father's kind of cocooned himself away in this weird box in the garden and he's called Hank and it shows up on a screen she has to buzz an intercom to talk to him and then he talks out through this vent um and then she kind of she goes there and she kind of she talks to it and she's like like I need you I need you and it's kind of focusing on her face but then also like the back of like the back of the house behind her and then um he, she's saying like i need you to come out or whatever and then like the window opens and the father's there it's beautiful and not not only is he out of the box but he's there already and he's called hank because he's played by hank azaria <laughs> the guy <laughs> who plays brilliant. mo and a poo oh, in the simpsons it was just brilliant <laughs> I, I, mean, I loved I, it. I loved it. I was so I was so taken in by those last two episodes. I thought it was beautiful. Yeah, I do. I I, I loved episode ten because it's you. You think the whole story ends at episode nine, but I really like the realization of Emma Stone's character that no, actually, part of it was not. Part of it was he. She hasn't just been healed in terms of her childhood trauma. She's been healed in terms of like she she's she's it's been allowed she, she's allowed herself to think of herself as a friend and i really like that whole thing i also like the fact that it's not a classic romance i don't want i didn't want it to be a romance i yeah and, see see i i thought before we started watching it i thought it was going to be a love story star-crossed lovers like, they always get back to themselves but no it wasn't a love story and i feel that's that was, that was more important yeah. yeah and i like that part of it um do you want to go on to critic quote awards do you want to get, do you want to get yeah, ready? Yeah, I mean, have you got, like, I mean, I'm just looking at my notes. I'm just like, thinking if there's any other bits I wanted to bring up. Yeah. I mean, I, I, there are just funny fucking things. Like, there are bits that, right, like, I'm going to reel off a few bits that stick stuck in my mind. Go I on. don't know if you've got any of them as well. Yes. One of them is from, like, the first episode, and it's where Owen's at, like, a family dinner, and he stood there looking at this family portrait with his, um, with his brother's, like, bride-to-be. And it's a photo of all of them without Owen in it. And she's like, they really should paint you in. It's fucking disgusting that you're not in the photo or whatever. And then Owen turns to her and in this really deadpan way, he's like, oh, no, 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 don't worry. They are going to paint me in. But the, the painter's on a six-month sabbatical to Nepal at the moment studying light. Yeah. <laughs> it's like fucking bizarre. Um, what else? Oh, Christ. The bit in um, episode eight 
where he goes to the diner and he goes to the girl. He's like, run away with me. Like, let's start new lives with no conditions or whatever. And then she says yes. And like the FBI guy's there as well. And he's like, he's like, uh, muzzle top. Owen's like, she motherfucking said yes, dude. And he's like, what does he say? He says something like, my superpower is love, bro. And yeah, <laughs> that was so good. Um, and then obviously he turns into a fucking hawk. And there's that brilliant scene where it's just like, a GoPro on a hawk flying <laughs> around across deserts and it keeps speaking but the bird's mouth doesn't move. I thought it was really good. No, no. I really, I, all the weird bits. I thought it was great, man. Yep. Do you want me to give you a um, theory that might blow your mind? Go on. Um, Owen is sat in the park with his brother at the be- episode one and this is when we see popcorn popping and the ground rumbling. Um and at the beginning, the timeline, the timelines are a little spotty. So this could suggest that this reality in episode one isn't actually the real reality, but could be another simulation or a dream. Because we see the events in episode one where it leads to Owen taking the drug trial. But things like when he's in Cent- Central Park and the second time that Grimson turns up, it's not directly insinuated that they are part of the narrative. They like. Um, so it could be that those two things are scenes that are taken from the le- next couple of episodes and are part of the simulation. Yeah. Boom! Um, I also thought the post credit scene led me to think uh, maybe Annie and Owen are still in inside the machine, inside Greta. Yeah. Um, and I kind of looked into it and I found this description um, that said that there is evidence suggesting that. So, for example, in the final episode, um, the cars that Dr. Fujita and Dr. Mantle Ray approach in the parking garage Volvo are the same, Merc, ones, yeah. same ones that Owen drove in his fantasies as Bruce in the Lima Heist fantasy and as Gangster Owen in the mob one. Um, also, the override code that Fujita uses in the lab when the, st- the smoke starts coming out is 5678, which is the same as the code in the first door yep. in episode four. Um, yeah, there's just lots of little bits like that on it. Also, the the kind of like the previous participants of this drug trial, right? They're called McMurphys. Um, the ones that die or are brain dead as a result of the trial um, are essentially it's revealed the they're, they're kept by Greta um, for sustenance or for love or affection. I don't. I'm not. They, they don't think they really clarified. Um, but I thought, like, McMurphy's, like, where is that from? Um, it's only, the label is only a reference to uh, Jack Nicholson from One Flew Over a, One Flew Over a Cuckoo's Nest. Ah, that makes so much more sense now. Yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. like, just all these little bits, man. Like, it all comes together, and it's really, you know, it's it, it, it did a really good job of being really captivating without getting so confusing that you got frustrated or lost the plot and without being so intense that it freaked you out too much. Yep. I think I think I think it was a very 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 good TV show. I will say I liked it a lot. I really really liked it. I really appreciated what they're doing. There was not a lot of points that I ever truly loved it. If it didn't really win me over fully in terms of my heart. And I don't know what I th- I think the scene with Emma Stone and her sister at the end I think if I think I think I would have been crying if it, it crying, due to all of the things that have been built up due to ten episodes of it, and I, I just felt it it's just felt that even though it was really emotional and, and a big culmination of all the events, I didn't think it was climactic enough. I did find that sometimes it felt like the the whole the whole show wasn't fully engaging engaging me emotionally, but was engaging me intellectually. If you get what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do you think that maybe there was a reason they did that? Because I kind of thought that yeah, it doesn't end in this huge crescendo, but the the show itself kind of doesn't really have peaks and dips. It kind of moves along at a certain pace, and it shows a lot of restraint. Um, maybe they didn't want to make the ending too clear and deep and heartfelt. Maybe that's kind of a point of it, is they kind of wanted it to maintain this kind of level of being subdued and kind of subversive. Yeah, yeah. And also, by doing that, it allows for more multiple possibilities in terms of plots and in terms of, is are they still in a simulation? Is this truly happy ending? Is this a sombre ending? I, I get all of that. I think, I think maybe 
I didn't fully have an emotional connection. I think maybe that was maybe that's the 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 point of the show. But I was I was I was interested and completely transfixed throughout. Anyway, I don't. Know, I, th- I think you probably feel the same. Yeah, I do. But I but I kind of felt transfixed in a like um, in sort of a trance. Like mm. I, maybe okay. maybe maybe one maybe one of the reasons that they kind of they they kept it quite subdued is they kind of wanted to emulate the feelings of the drug trial. They kind of wanted you to kind of kind of sit there and be like quite absorbed by it but not be completely fucked by it do you know what i mean yeah i'm not sure interesting it's interesting though i i mean you know we, we we spoke about it briefly at the beginning of the review like do you want to see another season i i hold what i said at the beginning i think that they've done a really good job of building a certain universe um i think there's a lot of interesting things that could be a lot of different avenues that could go down and tell different stories in this world that they've built um the only reservation I have about that, thinking about it though, is that if Carrie Fukunaga has kind of been very clear he doesn't want to return for another season, um, how much of the creative license, creative elements of this show were him? Mm. Uh, because if they tried to do it again, you know, maybe maybe you can't quite repeat something as as kind of interesting as this. Exactly. Or he, you know, or you, he you might. You've got to have it. It's, it's a very. This show is a very specific vision, and if you're not on board with it, you're not on board with it. Like I can definitely see people not enjoying this show. Like I know a lot. I know a lot of people, and this is no disrespect to them, but I know a lot of people that I wouldn't recommend this to because they'd watch the first couple of episodes, it would frustrate them, and they wouldn't bother watching the rest. Mm-hmm. I agree. Or, or, or they, or they'd feel unsatisfied at the end. I think if you're going to do a new uh, spin-off season about this show. You have to stay clear to the subject, like the setting of the thing, but you have to do a different tone, have a different director who is stylistically and emotionally and tonally very different and very unique, like um, Kerry Joji Fukunana. Oh, I can never do it. Oh my God. I can never do it. Oh my God, you butchered that, didn't you? Fukunaga. Fukunaga, yes. Um, It's always positive when you know the director's name for the episode of the podcast you're doing. Um, But no, um, it's... Yeah, I feel like they would need their own vision and it would have to be something very different yet in the same world if that makes sense like a more emotional love story or something or a very a, like a dark horror in the world or something like that i don't think you can get away with doing something quite cerebral and inception like and blade runner and and not blade runner um space odyssey like which is what i would compare this tv show to yeah yeah i'd also i'd also though i'd i'd worry that you can't like can I, oh god trying to find like to, like new protagonists for a new story in the same world i think would be quite difficult after what jonah hill and emma stone have done oh yeah their, their performances are both uh fantastic jonah hill then, especially emma stone was great you know, but jonah hill was I, wonderful. I don't i don't really see where you would take those characters now mm. they've yeah. done so much with them that I just don't see where you would take it. You have to start anew, and I don't know how you would be able to start anew when you have talent like Jonah Hill and Emma Stone. Um, like, and yeah, yeah both actors who, who are at, culturally at their top of their game. Yeah. Yeah, okay. very true. Mm-hmm. Very true. We haven't, I can't remember if we've spoken about it on the podcast or not, but I'm very excited for Jonah Hill's film that's just come out called Mid 90s. Um, do you know about this, Will? No, not much about it. So this is this is his directorial debut, and it's him uh, shooting a film with Sonny Suljic, who's the fourteen-year-old kid that was just in the house with a clock in its walls. Um, and it's about a young teenager growing up in the mid nineties, um, kind of like a skateboarder kid. The soundtrack's amazing; like I've been smashing it out on Spotify for the last couple of weeks. <laughs> um, but there isn't any plan to bring it to the UK for the foreseeable future, which is a bit ridiculous. It's quite what? a limited release. Um, yeah, so we'll see what happens. I'll probably end up watching it online. Yeah, but uh, hey ho. Um, do you critic quotes? So, what did you have for best description of Maniac? Best description um, I got from Ben Travers at IndieWire, um, and he said, "For those looking to study a TV show, look no further. For those looking to fall in love, well, there's no pill for that." I think that I have not fallen in love with this show, but I really, as a piece of television, it is it def- redefines a lot of what the boundaries are of television. It is so interesting what they do with it. Um, the cinematography is 
better if better than most films that come out at the moment in terms of not just in terms of budget but in terms of what the filmmaker is doing um yeah i think that makes sense as a critic's quote for me yourself yeah yeah i agree mine was from james ponywozik of the new york times and he said it's a heart-shaped rubik's cube a funny, consistently surprising fable of broken machines trying to reassemble themselves. Oh, I like that. Yeah, I know. There's a reason why he's a top a top critic on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> um, he's yeah, so that's a very beautiful way of putting it. What did you have for the most savage, most critical? Um, so my most savage is by Anne Brody of What She Said. And she said, it's satire. And satire. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. I thought that was quite good. Oh, no, sorry, mate. Sorry, go on, go on. Um, it's satire, and besides being tongue-in-cheek, should be funny. It isn't. It's funny like a toothache and sinister. <laughs> no, no, no. What she said. Yeah, no, right. <laughs> um, yeah, all right. Well, you know, take it or leave it. Yep. My most savage is from Norman Wilner of Now Toronto. That is capital now. Um, and he said, Maniac is just showing off. From Maniac is just showing off from the first scenes. Like the man says, it insists upon itself. I don't know what man he's referring to. Um, I felt I, I, I felt just as trapped in Fukunaga's oppressively bespoke universe as Annie and Owen are in theirs, and I'm pretty sure that's not the point of the series. Ooh, I think that's very harsh. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty critical, isn't it? I mean, you know, you could just look up some Reddit theories like we did. Well, I, th- I think the people might find the TV show pretentious, but... I th- I were worried that it was at the uh, at the start of the first episode, but as you get a- along with it, sorry, I've just hit my I've just hit the white glass. It's, uh, <laughs> I can't stop it; just made a really cool noise. Um, uh, yeah, but it, I think a lot of people think it's pretentious, but I think as you get into the episodes, you kind of kind of see that it's more emotional than you than you can give it than you give it credit for. Especially like when you get into episode yeah. four and five, they're just sort of standalone stories, which are so interesting and nuanced in their own way. Yeah, I no, I completely agree. I completely agree. Mm. Um, what would you What would you rate it out of ten? Our uh, first, our first TV show review, mate. Well, do you want to do best moment first, or do you want to do? Well, I mean, I'm looking at my best moments. And I've already talked about them. So, have you? What's your best moment, mate? Uh, best moment. I saved this to save this till last, and you've sort of already talked about it briefly, but I just want to mention it again because it bears repeating. Emma Stone versus those Russians in a one take was bloody brilliant. Do you, was... Is it confirmed? It's a one take. I don't. I haven't confirmed it's a one. I take. don't think it is because oh, it there's looks defo, like it. There's defo a bit where her face isn't on the screen. And Maybe it's not. like the most. There's the most. It's the most technical part of the fight sequence. It's definitely a stunt double. Maybe that's true, but, but quasi. But you, you are right. Like you are right. Like there, is, most of it is ever so just kicking ass, and it is really cool. And she's in heels really cool. as well. I know. I and know. They, they kill about they kill about twenty people in like a sixty second clip. Yeah, and that's what we like on our podcast. Death, yeah, death, and more death. Like. <laughs> death, death, and more death. Brilliant. Well, <laughs> you should open with that, shouldn't we? Death, death, death. Welcome to week nineteen of the fifty-two week podcast. Oh dear. Um, yeah, okay, so out of 10, what would you give it? I would give it an 8. I think it was Yeah, all right. I, I think it was fantastic. I think it's not the best thing I've, I've seen in the last year, but it is up there as being one of the best pieces of TV I've definitely seen in the last year. Um, yeah, I loved it. What do you think? Yeah, I, th- I think 8 as well. I think, you know, it, it does... It's so hard to say whether a show like this has pacing issues or not. Mm. Um, because it's so confusing that you can't really tell whether it's meant to be oddly paced or not. I think that there are bits in it where I was kind of watching it, thinking, "Oh, you know, I could kind of put this on mute and like you know, you, you can't skip any of it, especially when you're watching it the first time. You can't skip any any of it because you don't know what's about to happen. Mm. But like episode five was a real dip for me. Yeah, like episodes five and six were just a bit weak. I felt like episodes one and two it took a little bit of time to acclimatize to also justin thoreau doesn't come into it until episode three and i think that his presence does make it a little bit more uh, not just entertaining but also it kind of has this um this gravitas that it doesn't have in the first few episodes until the drug trial really gets going it kind of you know it, it is there are elements of it that are a bit take it or leave it, but other elements are like, this is really cool. Yep, definitely. Um, so yeah, I, I think 8 out of 10 as well. I think it's really good, 
but there are some there are some flaws. I I I kind of I I don't I think I've maybe come to a conclusion that I I don't want another season. I think I think I think I've kind of talked myself out of it now. I just think that yeah, sure, like the universe is really unique and interesting, and there's definitely more things that they could do. But I think this is one of those things that is just better left alone. Um, I love that this podcast has acted like the ABC therapy um, to try and get you to your end decision about um, whether it should be. Mate, I've just, con- I've just, mate, in, in the in the course of an hour, I've just confronted my feelings, <laughs> which is exactly what they do in the, in the show. It started off bad with us bumbling through some, <laughs> some news articles. It, then what's the B pill? What does the B pill do in the show? I've forgotten. I'm not. Is it behavior? It's it's like A is like relive your worst moment. B is like. Oh, fuck, I can't remember. B is oh, like a is... metaphor for the moments. Like, it's separate stories, but with, like, pulling you into the main themes of your conf- main themes of your problems. And then C is the confrontation. You confront your problems head on. Yeah. Yeah. So what have you what have you confronted this episode? If I've confronted my opinions about there being another season, what have you confronted, oh, mate? Interestingly, I was about to, about to say this earlier. Uh, my confrontation is a 18-week confrontation. Because I finally, I finally said the critic quotes <gasps> in full I sentences. Oh, mate, you got right through them, and I wasn't even—I I, I didn't even realise. I know, I know, I know. Thank I'm you. I'm so proud Thank of you. you. Thank you I'm so much. I'm so proud of you. It's only taken me 18 weeks to speak proper English, and I did an English mate. degree. Woo! <laughs> yeah, mate, mate, you nailed it. You confronted it. You dealt with your problem head on. Indeed. And you didn't get tongue tied. <laughs> um. Well, yeah, wicked. That well, that is it for uh, week eighteen. Now, week nineteen, uh, we kind of just confirmed what we are doing um, shortly before starting the podcast. So we are going to be doing another double bill. We are going to be reviewing Venom, and we are going to be reviewing A Star Is Born, one of the um, best to... reviewed films of the year, and one of the worst. And one of the films worst of the reviewed films of the year. Now, I've been saying it. For months, like as much as I love the Spider-Man universe, Venom was always gonna be shit. Um, in like the last week, though, I got quite swept up in it, and I was just like, oh, like what if it is just actually really fucking good though? And maybe like I eat my words a bit, but I'll take it because it'll be another wicked Spider-Man-esque film. And I got really, really swept up in it, and I was just fucking stupid. Like I shouldn't have thought that. I mean, there are there are people out there. We'll talk about it before we do the review um, next week. But we there are reviews out there that are saying it's worse than the Catwoman film of Halle Berry, which is just like, dear God, like that film has no hope. Yep. Um, and then yeah, Star is Born. It's already the single is already being eyed up for an Oscar for best original song. Um, it's smashing Spotify records. Everyone's it saying Gaga's re- great. Yeah, yeah. It is a remake of a remake of a remake, though. Yeah, I, I found this out. That. I found this out it's the other day. It was, it, it was done. It was a Barbara Streisand film, and before that, is it Angela Land? No, it's not Angela Lansbury. I don't know. Oh, Someone I do like know. That. It's um, who played Dorothy? Um, ah, oh, what's her name? Fe- gay, gay icon. Um, or oh, what's her name? I should really know this. It's it's really bad. Ah. Oh. Um, who's the friend of who's Dorothy's hang on <laughs> Dorothy in what Dorothy in the Wizards of Oz oh right yeah 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 um, Dorothy in the Wizards of Oz Judy Garland that's it right okay Judy Garland yeah Judy Garland but it was funny actually because my mum the other day when I was telling her about us doing this film she was like uh, isn't that the film about like the the true story of Barbara Streisand. And I was like, I was like, I was like, I don't think so. And then I went and did some digging. I was like, no, 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 no. Like Barbara Streisand was in the film. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, that should be interesting. And I don't think we've discussed it on here. We said a couple of weeks ago that there was something exciting uh, to stay tuned for. Will, do you want to do the honors in uh, telling everyone about our exciting news for this weekend? Yes, we are on Saturday going to the pod. Now the pod is a um, it's called no is it the cube or not the pod? It's called it's called the pod. It's in White City in London. Yeah. Um, and it is an initiative set up for new podcasters to use a fully decked out, really high quality recording studio and have a producer in there with you, uh, free of charge. Um, so me and Will have currently a couple of sessions lined up with the pod. We've got one this weekend where we're going to record our Venom Star is Born review. Uh, and then we've also got one towards the end of November. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. 
uh, you're probably going to see a huge uptick in the audio quality for next week's episode. Um, yeah, I do. do you have anything to add? Uh, no, I, I'm just very excited about going. I think our audio quality will improve. <laughs> but our audio quality has been pretty on point. So I can't wait to learn new things about podcasting i'd love to get to grips with like some actual proper tech see what we see what we can make use of see what we can ed, um like look into about doing um, helping blah, blah, what we can do to sort of essentially help out with our podcast um I, i'm very, it's, um, very excited it's it's gonna be weird recording with a third person in the room though isn't it very odd. like the the, rep- the producer's probably gonna be like what the fuck are these guys talking about <laughs> Yeah, I just want to. I just um, want to see the, an eyebrow raise throughout the whole thing. I'd enjoy that. I might go in when we when we when we meet him and we go and sit down in there, and he's probably like, "So, what's your podcast on?" We'll be like, "Oh, it's on um, uh, d- different flowers from around the world, or something like that." <laughs> <laughs> and then just see see how long it takes him to clock on. It's about flavors um, of yogurt. Um, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, no. So stay tuned. We've got that next week. Um, Thank you very much, Will. Thank you very much, Jay. And we will see you.